Hello, and welcome to Screaming in the Cloud with your host, cloud economist Corey Quinn. This weekly show features conversations with people doing interesting work in the world of cloud, thoughtful commentary on the state of the technical world, and ridiculous titles for which Corey refuses to apologize. This is Screaming in the Cloud. Welcome to Screaming in the Cloud. I'm Corey Quinn. I'm joined today by Elon Rabinovich of Datadog, where he's the VP of Product and Community. Welcome to the show, Elon. Thanks for having me, Corey. No, a pleasure. Uh, Before we dive in, I want to call out that Datadog is relatively well-known in the, I guess, operational space, Uh, in no small part due to the fact that you folks sponsor an awful lot of things. Uh, I want to be very clear, this is not an episode that you are sponsoring. This is having a conversation with you. It is not pay to play. It always feels a little weird to have folks who have sponsored things that I've worked on on the show and not call that out. So thank you for your support, but that's not what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, we always always enjoy the newsletter and all the and all and all the and all the Corey talks. But yeah, this is uh, just just wanted to ha- sound, sound, sounds like a fun time to just chat with you about the cloud and everything in between. So absolutely. So let's start with that. Uh, if you take a look at the history of monitoring or observability or whatever it is we're calling it this hour, the world has more or less grown fairly comfortable with the idea of not running physical servers themselves and trusting someone else to run them, be it one of the large cloud providers, another of the large cloud providers, et cetera. But there still seems to be a bit of a psychological barrier where people will say things like, oh, I'm absolutely not going to run my own servers. That's lunacy. And then immediately follow it up with, but we absolutely have to build, design, and run our own monitoring system. How do you see that evolving? And how do you, I guess, combat that, frankly, ridiculous perspective? So, you know, surprisingly, it's not, it's it's actually not that that big of a challenge these days to get to get folks to do that. I think we're we're now in a spot in our industry where more and more organizations are realizing that their core competency is not monitoring, it's not managing servers, it's not uh, necessarily the you know installing installing and racking and racking switches in, in a data center. They're you know you're you're focused on something else, right? If you're if your if your customers are consuming your chat platform, then you want to build the best chat platform ever, and the, you know you want to you want to for that you want to make sure that you have the best monitoring system ever, so that you can ensure you you're addressing um, you're you're addressing you're addressing the, the infrastructure or or code challenges that you may be encountering that you have data to make your decisions based on, uh, and it turns out that um, you know the Datadog has an amazing monitoring product, and that's that we we don't have a lot of challenges getting customers to use us. Whether they're even when they have on-prem servers, they're they're happy to they're happy to take advantage of that. Um, you know, monitoring and metrics are they're a big it's a big data problem. Whether it's metrics or tracing or logs, these are these are difficult problems. If you're having to run a uh, an indexing system for your logs and your logs are generating terabytes or petabytes or whatever it might be a day, uh, that's a really complex database that may be as big, maybe as difficult for you to interact with as the clickstream logs from your uh, from your consumer website, for example. Um, and so why would you want your teams focusing on uh, on that part when they could be focusing on building out the, the platforms that your customers actually consume? You know, similarly, if you're talking about storing metrics, that's whether it's columnar data stores or time series databases or whatever else you might be coming up with, these are sometimes, you know, in some cases, the, the, the size of your monitoring data is bigger than the size of the data that your customers actually interact with. You know, these are, these are, these are difficult problems. And, you know, we focus on them every day. And so our customers are willing to let us, 
you know, let us take that burden off their off their plate and and, and specialize in making monitoring great. Which makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, I started off my career as a systems administrator in on-prem data centers, and monitoring was sort of one of the things that fell to me. It was always the either it's invisible or I'm in the doghouse because, surprise, something broke and I didn't think to monitor the thing that I was monitoring. When I started moving to the cloud, it's, okay, we're going to take that same model and move it forward. And, all right, time building an AWS environment which I was doing at the time. And all right, let's roll out Nagios to monitor my instances. Oh, and we're in an auto-scaling group. And then I'm researching, okay, how quickly can I regenerate Nagios configuration when the auto group scales? And I realize midway through, oh, I'm stupid. Wonderful. And that's sort of what was opening my eyes to the idea of there being alternate ways to do this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was a customer of Datadog long before I was uh, an employee and I, I tried my damnedest to automate my Nagios configs as fast as I could. Whether it was, uh, whether it was things pulling the AWS API and trying to do, you know, trying to update configs as fast as it could be, or or chef recipes, or whatever it might be. And it turns out, regardless of how tight that loop is, Amazon's going to destroy us. Amazon or Google or Azure, they're going to destroy a server faster than than you can reload that Nagios config. And sometimes it's, you know, I, you know, I. I those those configs take forever to reload, so uh, especially at scale. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, speaking to that end, one of the interesting challenges we see with very large um, services that everyone starts to use is there is a monitoring gap, not necessarily on our own infrastructure, but on seeing what the underlying platform is doing. Um, there, We've all had times where two in the morning we've woken up because our pagers are going off. It's not entirely clear what's broken. And we effectively all prairie dog onto DevOps Twitter. And is your stuff broken? Is your stuff broken? Oh, great. It, it's effectively Nagios has become the original call of duty. And that's sort of a terrible pattern to fall into because status pages for these providers never update in as responsive a way as we might like them to. There needs to be confirmation. There's process on their side. I'm not blaming them for this, but it occurs to me that the monitoring companies like Datadog are probably almost uniquely positioned to know almost before anyone else on the planet when there's a widespread underlying infrastructure issue. And I'm not necessarily blaming cloud providers alone. I'm talking about things like routing flaps uh, where you're waiting for BGP reconvergence. Have you seen that? And is there any, I guess, effort underway to start surfacing that data in a sanitized, safe way, both without exposing your customers as well as irritating large providers? Yeah. Uh, we definitely are able to see those patterns in in near real time when you know when something when something breaks in one of the cloud providers or a popular CDN goes down or what have you. Um, we we definitely see those patterns amongst our our customers. There's a lot of work that needs to go into things like anonymizing that data, private, you know, making sure that that you know not not every customer's uh, willing to share that type of data, et cetera. But um, there's there's definitely some patterns there. We've done a little bit more work on this on the on the side of technologies folks use. So earlier this week on, on Wednesday, we released our, our annual Docker adoption report. Uh, and so one of the things that we looked at there was, uh, what, one of the things that we looked at there every, every year is sort of how, how are folks using, techno- using these technologies? What are they running in containers? How long are those containers living for? Which orchestrators are popular? Uh, et cetera. And that's, that's been, it's, it's been interesting to be able to look at that and sort of, and see the trends of, uh, of, of our space, you know, at such a large scale uh, in 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 uh, in near real time, uh, you know, when when seeing Docker go from 
uh, pre 1.0 in 2014 to, you know, we're, we're now at what they just now released Docker Enterprise 2.0, I, I believe, at, at DockerCon this week. And seeing, you know, seeing the adoption trends around that skyrocket has been has been interesting. Um, you can also you can very clearly see on graphs, for example, like Kubernetes hit 1.0 here. All of a sudden, you know, containers skyrocket even further into popularity. So um, we've similarly done things for for other technologies, uh, orchestrators like ECS and, and Kubernetes and and, uh, and Mesos uh, as around events like that. Um, so it's it's something that we we we're interested in diving in more into, both in terms of those. Uh, monitoring those cloud providers where we're already pulling in all the metrics, and that's from you know from CDNs and caches and uh, and 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 IaaS providers, uh, as well as the technologies that folks run on their VMs. Uh, there's there's some interesting trends there. Right, it's always delicate to wind up presenting that data in a way that isn't naming and shaming. Ha! Twitter for pets is crappy. Is not a terrific narrative for that to wind up uh, turning into. But to your point of being a trends observer, uh, there was. A giant shift as the world started moving away from on-premise into cloud. Uh, same with, okay, taking long-running instances and replacing those with ephemeral nodes. Then you saw the container revolution that we're in the midst of, and now people are talking frantically about serverless. And in the eight years Datadog has been around, we've seen a number of these giant shifts in industry. How does seeing these trends emerge, I guess, shape the direction and the evolution of Datadog, the service slash product? I mean, as a as a product manager, for me, uh, the 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 a lot of these questions, a lot of these studies that we run are actually they start off as questions internally of uh, what are our customers doing and what what do I need to build for them to be successful in their migration from from machines to container, you know, from from VMs to containers or from from their on-prem environment into into the cloud. What types of queries are going to want to look at? What types of metrics should we be pulling? What what integrations need more investment for me? And so, as a uh, you know, any product manager is going to be looking for that kind of data and studying that. Uh, it just turns out that in some cases this becomes interesting for you know for our external customers as well as we turn these into studies or into reports or uh, or blog posts about how to best do you know how to, how to best monitor a technology or how to best take advantage of it. You know the 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 big thing that we've seen is just the fast rate at which things are turning. Right, if we look back on our studies even from year to year on on hosts and containers, we're seeing things like you know we used to see just a year ago we were seeing containers living as long as living around two days at a time. And VMs on you know having you know mean lifetimes of 23 to, to 30 days depending on uh, the environment and what have you. Um, we're now seeing containers if they're orchestrated taking uh, in some cases less than half a day lifetimes. So that that changes a lot of how you would you know how how you would define normal and how you'd want to define normal in your environment and how you want to monitor things. Um, it also changes on how you want to manage them. So. Uh, making sure that we're adjusting our tools based on all that is is important so that our customers continue to you know be able to rely on us to uh, be able to rely on us to, to 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 monitor their environments. That makes an awful lot of sense. the The challenge, of course, is not you don't want to be the first person to support something new and find out you spent a lot of time and effort diving into, I guess, what the next big thing is going to be, and then do a swing and a miss. Yeah. But you also don't want to be a trailing indicator and lagging. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, from that perspective, I signed up for a Datadog account somewhat recently. Uh, I am probably one of the smallest, crappiest customers you can possibly imagine. I have a few Lambda functions, an API gateway, and an AWS bill that I obsessively watch, and and that's about it. So when I look inside of Datadog, the product, at those aspects of it, it feels like I'm just barely scratching the surface of what it is that the product is capable of of doing. I mean, the product is great, don't get me wrong, but 
Do you feel that it's challenging to both present information in a relevant way to what someone's looking for, as well as not, I guess, overwhelming people as they're coming in from with a somewhat naive perspective of, well, I just have these two hosts I want to monitor. What is all of this? So, you know, from our perspective, the, the goal is to make it easy to e- easy to monitor what you have and, 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 and identify what's important to you. Um, so that may be that may be making it point and click easy to enable a bunch of integrations for the technologies you do care about. Um, it may mean using our machine learning capabilities around forecasting and anomaly detection to help you discover things before you realize that they were problems um, or to help you de- help you do that without having to set a bunch of thresholds yourself. Um, you know, there's. You know, not with with over 300 integrations out of the box right now. It's a little hard to say that every single one's going to be relevant to every single person. But what's important to us is that when you do adopt a technology, you you know that we're, we're already there to support you. So last week, EKS launched right the, the, at the on, at, at the launch day at Ecosystem Day, we were there launching our EKS support. Um, you know, uh, back in December, uh, November, uh, Amazon announced Fargate at you know Fargate at, at reInvent. You know, we were we were working with them as launch partners to get that out the door uh, and make sure that there was monitoring capabilities for it. So, I, you know, I don't I don't know that there's like you said, there's a lot there's a lot in that pl- in the platform. And, you know, maybe not every single integration or every piece, every metric is there is for everybody. But the last thing you want to do is be in a spot where you have picked a new system and we're not there to monitor and, and you don't have a, you don't have a way to monitor it uh, or worse yet. Uh, you don't have the data when you're trying to come up with a when you're trying to resolve an incident or we were trying to work on a postmortem and figure out what went wrong. Um, and so we like to say that having the data is, you know, um, collecting the data is cheap. Having the, you know, not having the data when you need it is the expensive part. And I like that approach a fair bit. It's the, the challenge, of course, is on the other side is not is not even the the cost of the service itself, but in some ways the the cost the service itself can incur. Uh, an example of this is years ago, I was working with a non data dog monitoring system, but this is not any monitoring system's fault, where I was hitting rate limits pulling data out of an AWS environment. So, hey, if you want your data sooner, go ahead and increase the API rate limit was the automated notice we got. Terrific. Great. So we reach out to AWS support, and to their credit, they warned us that we're willing to do this, but at this rate, that's going to turn into something that winds up costing you a couple orders of magnitude more than the monitoring system does. Are you sure? Yeah. And and that's a difficult challenge where it's it's not just the the cost of Datadog, which I will point out is very straightforward and easy to understand at a glance. It's the what other things is this going to incur on the part of the cloud provider whose pricing is generally pretty close to inscrutable? That, that's definitely a balancing act. I think you know we have we have knobs to help customers be uh, you know help address that that challenge. Um, we have some customers that want to grab every metric as it drops into CloudWatch at the very second that it showed up there at the finest granularity available, and they you know they want it now. Uh, and we can we can do that. We can turn that knob all the way you know all the way up to eleven and basically pulling CloudWatch all the time. There are there are costs there from CloudWatch for doing so. Other cloud providers have similar cost structures. Um, we also have the ability if you know if there's if there's a particular resource or if there's a particular resource or there's a particular uh, namespace you don't want to monitor as much, we can we can dial that one back. And so these are these are trade-offs. You have to choose between frequency that we collect data and latency. Um, and uh, you know over time, some hopefully the some of the costing models around how cloud providers expose those metrics may change. But um, you know this is this is a choice that each person has to make for themselves. The nice thing is that a lot of the metrics that we gather within Datadog 
um, you know, they duplicate a lot of the metrics that are available from the cloud providers. Are you interested in the, uh, you know, what your cloud provider thinks you're using CPU wise and what, what you're, or are you interested in the actual CPU that, you know, your VM is seeing and memory and, you know, network traffic and seeing that by process or by container? Um, you know, we, we can probably offer that to you, uh, the visibility that you're looking for um, directly from within your host using our agent. And you may not necessarily need some of that cloud data if you don't want it as if you don't want it. It also is nice to have it and be able to tie the two together if you're able to if, if, if you're able to do that. Of, of course, that's not a that's not possible with things like with with the PASI services, whether it be Redshift or ELBs or some other some other component. Um, you know, the only way to get at the data is CloudWatch. And so we'll want to pull that data from there. Yeah, I think you're right. There's only so much that you're going to be able to do without having the platform that is generating the metrics uh, working hand in hand with your system. If you're looking at this from an observer perspective, you're not going to be able to change everything about it. You're, you're limited inherently to what what is given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, to that end, something that often seems to arise every time I talk to someone about what they want from a monitoring system. Uh, the same phrase comes up all the time, which is a single pane of glass. Great. Awesome. But if you take a look at even a small environment in something like Datadog, where you can look at this from a lot of different axes, in order to gather all of that data onto a single pane of glass, terrific. You're turning an entire wall of your office into a television that better have retina capability because it's going to be really small dashboards to fit all of that there. Uh, How do you find that that winds up uh, turning into something that that can be reasonably answered when customers ask about it. I mean, it sounds like on the one hand, it's like arguing with hacker news. Oh, that doesn't sound hard. I could build that in a weekend and yeah. come to find out it's a little more complex than that. So I don't, I don't think that dashboards are the answer to everything, right? Or at least not having every metric that you could possibly, you know, look at on the dashboard ahead of, uh, on, above your head in a virtual knock or, you know, on your, on your extra monitor. That's not, you're not necessarily looking to have that all there right now. What you want to have above your head or on the dashboards in your knock or in your in your office are are the key metrics that tell you whether or not your customers are happy and whether or not you're serving them well. So that might mean, you know, if you're an e-commerce site, it might be how many checkouts have we had this, you know, this hour, this second, what have you. And and th- these are what we call your work metrics, right? These are the things that your customers are paying you for. And these are uh these what these are very good t- indicators as to whether or not your service is working right now. Um Something may change, though. There might be an event, like maybe you got a Super Bowl ad, maybe you went on uh, streaming in the cloud, and now everybody wants to buy some Datadog monitoring, um, and, your, and, and your usage jumps, or it drops. And you're going to want to dig into that. And that's where you're going to want to have you know, additional dashboards and other things, that you can, uh, 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 other things that you can query and tease out of your monitoring system. And you're going to want to have all that data there. But the idea that I'm going to have up on a single dashboard every single metric that I collect, and I'm going to look at all in my knock, I, I don't think that that's reasonable. You want systems like Datadog to be able to uh, make it easy to explore that data, make it easy to raise it up for you when something changes. So whether it's our anomaly detection or or other ML type capabilities that we use to to quickly uh, quickly identify things that are changing, um, that that that's what you're going to want to focus on. You want you want your systems to be able to raise that for you. Hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> no, it does, but it also opens another one in the sense of. When I was running ops teams, monitoring systems always felt 
like a relatively thankless thing to work on because invariably people tended to ignore it, never look at the dashboards until there was an issue where something broke. And the question was always raised after the fact of, well, why didn't monitoring catch this? So you're always building new checks and new alarms that alert when particular patterns hit and you're, you're persistently fighting the last war when that happens. Uh, and if you continue following that to its logical conclusion, well, we'll just alert on everything. Great. Now in a typical day, you're getting paged 4,000 times. That is not going to make anyone happy. Their cell phones are running out of power after four hours. How do you wind up scaling it back? And this may not even be a product question. This may be a philosophy of monitoring question. But I'm curious as to how you see that. So I definitely think it's a philosophy of monitoring question. I've lived through that approach in my in my career as well, right? Like let's, every time something breaks, let's create an alert for that. And now we're alerting people on um, every NTP time skew on every machine because one time it caused an issue for us. Um, that's, you want to be able to, you want to make sure that your alerts are actionable. And so I think starting, um, start, starting with those work metrics, the ones that are actually relevant to your customers and to the services you provide and figuring out how those systems behave, um, that's, that's going to be your first step. Uh, and it's also important to clean that up fairly regularly over time. If you're seeing something noisy, get rid of it. If you're seeing something, uh, if you're seeing something cause issues repeatedly, probably it's not just create an alert for it. It's probably also fix it. So it's not happening as frequently. Um, I, you know, I think it's, it's on monitoring systems like, like Datadog and like, uh, and, and like others in the space also though, to, to try to make that a less, a less manual and a less, uh, a less human process. We should be looking at your metrics and identifying things for you as they happen uh, and raising them for you so that you're not in this never-ending battle to, 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 to create alerts for every single, every single metric every time. I also think that you know, in some cases, a lot of this data doesn't need to be alerted on, but you do want to have it. So collecting it is one thing. Alerting on it is something, is something else. But you never want to be that team that's you know, getting alerts just to prove that the data is flowing. <laughs> I, I once worked with a team that uh, I looked at their, you know, one of the things I used to do as an op- as a when I was more in, in the operation space and less, you know, and before I joined Datadog was I'd I'd consult with team with my, with with the teams in my organization and say like you're this week you had the largest number of alerts across all the all the other teams in the organization let's sit down for an hour or two let's look at what you're paging on let's look at your systems and see how we can make them either more resilient or let's look at your monitoring and see how we can make it more actionable uh, and you know a team once told me I, I want a team a team once that had gotten ten thousand pages in a week. There is no way that they are sleeping if they are responding to every one of those. Uh, and more likely, they're just ignoring you and there's a pager under their pillow. Um, and in their case, what they had done is like the, it was more of a heartbeat, like the system is alive in right. many cases of these alerts. It wasn't actually a, you know, they were not actionable. Uh, and so that, that was a problem. We were, able to, we were able to sit down and clean that up and sort of flip things around and get them to a more manageable spot. But again, a lot of this is around that, like a, that alerting and monitoring philosophy. It's not about... Um, you know, I don't, it's not necessarily about the tooling. It's about deciding on what, what you care about. And you're right. The counterpoint is that when you have an outage, you didn't know you cared about a thing until right after you really could have used an alert on this. Uh, an example would be if your site slams to a halt one day and there's an incident and the investigation determines, oh, it's because the primary database had its disk fill up. And then you pull up the graph and for the past number of months, you see that the uh, line getting closer and closer and closer to the top of the graph, and then it hits, and then the incidence is triggered. It's not the most defensible thing to have on a screen in an after-action report doing a postmortem of why the site went down, and you have a bunch of executives and partners who are very upset by that. Yeah, 
so we have a, a sort of a rubric or a, 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 a mental model that we suggest you go through uh, that we've uh, that we've written about on on the Datadog site. Uh, I'll, I'll send a link over for the show notes. And we we um, again we we tend to uh, you know as I mentioned before we tend to suggest taking a look at those work metrics. So um, and then and then working your way backwards. So you're you know you're you're an e-commerce website and you notice that you know number of checkouts. The, the metric you care about is Things ending up in shopping carts and things ending up, you know, things actually getting checked out in those shopping carts. That's that's a top level metric that you want to alert on, and probably that you want to have on your dashboards because it determines the health of your business, right? Are you are you making money today or not? Are your customers actually happy or not? Great. And now work backwards from that and figure out what are the resources that go into making that. And if you do that for each of your systems as you're as you're building them, you're going to get to the point where you're like, oh, I have a database. What does that database depend on? Ah, oh, it depends on disk. Um, that's not to say you're never going to miss anything. But that that workflow is is pretty helpful for figuring out um, what what data would be actionable and and when. Um, and the thing is, in most cases, you don't have just one person on a team doing these things, right? And it's not just one person on a call. Each team has their own work metrics, right? That the team that's that's running storage for your underlying your databases, their work metric is going to be around IOPS and how much storage is available. If they alerted on that, you know, you probably would have avoided that outage you just talked about. Um, your database team, they're their work metric is how many queries per second are they returning and how long are each of those queries taking. Uh, if they alert on that, they're going to notice that, hey, inserts are failing right now. Um, we should catch that incident before it happens. Uh, but, but we should we should fix this before it impacts our users. Um, and so if you work your way both, you know, work your way down the stack that way, you're going to catch the the big things that are important. Um, and those are the areas that you really want to focus on. Everything else, I think, is data that you want to have around for troubleshooting purposes. But I don't care if CPU is at 90% if my site's still working. Like That's the most useless thing to page somebody on in the middle of the night. Absolutely. That's right up there with load averages high. There are 15 different factors that weigh into that. Great. Tell me the real-world impact, and it's on one system, and I have 200 of those. Yeah. Maybe I don't care about that particular cattle hanging out in that environment. One other thing that's coming up, uh, I believe, uh, in a month or so, is your Dash conference. Yeah. So, so Dash is the is a is a this is our first uh, first time user conference for Datadog, uh, and there's uh, it's coming up on July 11th and 12th in New York. And so, if folks are uh, if folks are in the area, we'd love to have you join us. Um, we have some great presentations from from folks like Shopify and, and uh, Google and DraftKings and, and a number of other organizations uh, talking about how they're scaling up and speeding up their infrastructure, their teams, uh, and their applications. Uh, and so this is not two days of how do I monitor X, but rather how am I, th- this is an opportunity to learn about how folks are solving uh, real business problems. So whether it be Shopify talking about how they had to scale up uh, you know, their infrastructure 3X while also moving it to, to, to GCP at the same time and containerizing it. Or uh, you know the the folks at Segment talking about a how they've built a culture of shared outages within their organization, how they're taking a lot of the challenges that you know Corey mentioned earlier around uh, you know what do you alert on and how do we how do how do we prevent problems from recurring uh, and building that into their processes within their organization. Um, you know there's there's a lot of opportunities to learn about how to again scale up and and speed up your organization and uh, you know there should be some some fun news from Datadog on on various features as well. So if you're in the area or want to travel out and join us in New York this summer, uh, July 11th and 12th. Uh, but yeah, hope to see you all in New York, and uh, thanks for having us. No, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, this has been Elon Rabinovich of Datadog. My name's Corey Quinn, and this is Screaming in the Cloud. This has been this week's episode of Screaming in the Cloud. 
You can also find more Coriette screaming in the cloud.com or wherever fine snark is sold.